thank you for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms and on the YouTube channel, The Subtext. Hello and welcome to The Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games in the Metacritic Top 100 list. I'm Lawrence and I'm joined by... This is Dan, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast indeed. How are you this week? I'm alright, yeah. Um, Another week on lockdown. Uh, Halloween done and dusted. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, not much to report apart from that. How about you? Yeah, I'm all right. Just, I mean, we we discussed it in the Halloween episode that I'm not really a big Halloweeny kind of person. Um, but yeah, I watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show for the first time ever. Um, I've not seen that. It's the weirdest film you'll ever watch ever in your life. It's bizarre. It was quite good, but I walked out of it not quite sure what I just experienced. It was good though. <laughs> I recommend it for one of those evenings where you just want to experience something a bit weird. So this week we are celebrating, I suppose, the 25th game on the list, which means we're caught away through the top 100 list, which, as we said at the last episode, feels a little bit bizarre because it doesn't seem that long ago since we were doing our first recording of GTA 4, yet here we are. So this week we are going to be tackling the number one game on this list is the highest rated game on the metacritic top 100 this week we're covering the legend of zelda ocarina of time which originally released in 1998 with a re-release coming out on the 3ds in 2011 so this game got an aggregate score of 99 so this is the highest rated game on the entire list and i think you'd probably be pretty stretched to find a top 10 or top 20 games list where Ocarina of Time doesn't feature somewhere, usually at the top spot. So it's it, they, don't, they don't really come much bigger than this, do they? No, and we've been having a discussion about what games to mark, number 50, number 75 and so on, and even we're having trouble um, finding games to match the, the size I suppose, of this episode. So, yeah, yeah, it's pretty big. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ocarina of Time would probably have been a very good uh, good episode to do for episode 50, but because we've started the Zelda series now, we want to kind of push through because I think we've got six Zelda games in total on this list. Yeah, so, six on the list. Yeah, we've got a fair bit to do, and obviously we're playing through them in um, not chronological order because I know that the, uh, the Zelda timeline's a bit of a mess. But, well, um, we're, we're in, um, order in of actual... Release. Yeah, in order of release, that's it. Quite right. So, the first question, I suppose, as it usually is, is what's your history with this game? Uh, Quite a lot of history with this one. So, um, I've gone over my backstory with the N64 a dozen times on this podcast already. It's now Um, written in podcast law, I believe. It is, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be on my epitaph. Um, So, we got uh, initially... Uh, Mario 64, Diddy Kong Racing, and GoldenEye. And not long after that, I think it it would have been my birthday, probably in 98 or 99. Um, It may have been 99, actually. um, I got Ocarina of Time. That was uh, my main present that year. And I got this gold case, which was Ocarina of Time. And I played it a lot. And my brother played it and my mum played it as well. My mum got to the final boss, um, but couldn't do the final boss. Um, But I never actually got that far. I was quite young. Um, I think probably the furthest I got to was um, Forest Temple on my own at the time. Um, But afterwards, I went back, got further, but I'd never actually completed it, funnily enough. So this was a a new thing for me. Um, It was. You completed it? Yeah, this is the first time I've completed Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Um, so you're not the first, you're not the only one to have completed it for the first time in 2020, but I am quite familiar with the game. Um, I'm, I watched my mum do all the dungeons. Uh, it's making me sound really sad now. (laughs) Um, and watched her fail at the final boss. So I did know, um, I was familiar with what was coming, but 
I didn't remember any of the the puzzles or anything like that, so I was coming at it quite fresh actually. And I think I think that's why my nostalgia for this game is not as strong as other games um, because I think I was too young to really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, so long history with this one, and um, finally completed it after. 22 years or 21 years um how about yourself relatively similar to you it's a game that i've always been aware of and i remember um friends having it or something like that when i was a lot younger and occasionally playing playing it on their consoles because as i've said before i didn't have an n64 until years later and i remember being pretty blown away with it because not only did this game look pretty great but the fact that you could play music on a little ocarina blew my mind and the fact that you could change the color of your clothes blew my mind as well even though that's a small detail these days like changing like character customization the fact that you could change link's tunic kind of baffled me a little bit and it's no secret on this podcast that i'm not a huge zelda fan i don't actively dislike the games i just struggle getting into them and with Ocarina of Time, it's one of those ones that I've always felt a duty to kind of play and finish because of its um, of its legacy, I suppose. But it's never one that I've managed to finish up until now. And I think as far as I got up until this time was same as you from previous was the Forest Temple. So everything from the Forest Temple, which is probably around around about the halfway point, would you say? Yeah, so it's four temples out of nine, isn't it? So yeah. it's just under the halfway mark. So that was as far as I'd ever got in this game. And I played it and restarted it a handful of times. But now I can say that I finished it. So that's another one we can tick off your little challenge of me uh, completing the Zelda games. There on you the go. List. Congratulations. So that's, that's another one ticked off. So obviously, as we've said, this game came out on the N64 and before its release, um, before it was called Ocarina of Time, it was just called, as a lot of the Nintendo games were at the time, uh, I think it was just called Zelda 64, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was, yeah. Until it got its official title. So the N64 and Ocarina of Time are kind of married together. It's very hard to yeah. think of one without the other, same as like uh, GoldenEye or uh, Mario Kart. But in terms of this run-through... Did you play it on the N64? No. Um, I played the 3DS version, which has many... I would describe them as quality of life improvements to kind of respect your time as a gamer a bit more in uh, 2012 onwards uh, up, until, up until today. So I think the changes... that There are some changes, like, for example, in the, the Water Temple... Um, they've got signs above the water level doors to guide you along the way, whereas they weren't there in the original game. Uh, and just things to streamline. And also there's the option to um, wear your metal boots just as a as an item in the 3DS yeah. version, whereas in the original version you had to go into That's the menu gear. every single time. And I can imagine that would have been excruciating. Um, so yeah, just just quality of life improvements, I think. Also a new coat of paint. It looks really nice on the 3DS, I think. Um, not going to compete with uh, modern games, but no. the art style kind of... Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a nice looking game. Uh, the art style kind of does a lot to um, add up to the fact that the polygons in there aren't great. Yes. Something along yeah. those lines. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, I played it on the 3DS as well. And it was um, it was interesting going back to it because I've had my 3DS since about 2014, 2015 maybe. So I've had it for quite a while. And popping in my Ocarina of Time cartridge again, I saw my old save file from the last time that I tried to play it. And the last time that I'd saved a game on that car uh, on that cartridge was July 2015. So it had been five years since I've played this game and attempted to get through it. And the save point was just after the Forest Temple, which is, I imagine, five years ago, I got to the point where I'm like, no, can't be bothered anymore. I'm having to think too much. Don't <laughs> want to play it. And then I just stopped. Yeah. So it was um, it was interesting going back to then, trying to think back to five years ago when I was playing this for the first time 
well not the first time but you know first time on the 3ds but you you're know right. i think it, it does look great on the system yeah it does and and i think it's been about 15 years at least since i've even picked up ocarina of time it's been a long time um and the 3ds was was uh, my dedicated majora's mask machine um <laughs> Because that was the only game I had on it, and then I bought a Creator of Time, so now I've got two games on there. Um, I wasn't, I never really got into the 3DS big, um, but yeah, uh, it, it, it looks nice. Yeah, it's a smooth looking game, and it, it runs more smoothly than the, the N64 version as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I can't really think back to when this game came out in 2011 because. I wasn't really following any Nintendo things at the time and I wasn't really following anything Zelda-based because I wasn't interested. But one of um, one of our friends, James, who yeah, he had it. we went to uni with, he like, he loves Zelda, doesn't he? And I remember... Yeah, he loves Nintendo stuff. Yeah, and I remember playing it at his house and he had the, uh, the 3DS XL with the Triforce on the front of it. And I remember playing a bit of Ocarina of Time on there thinking, this is actually pretty quality. And um, I can't remember what year it came out. It might have been 2013 or 2014 when the Majora's Mask uh, remake came out. On yeah, a couple, couple of years after that, I think, yeah. And, um, I remember messaging him saying, Ocarina of Time, uh, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask's just been announced. And uh, I can't repeat his reaction on this <laughs> podcast, dear listeners, um, as it was full of swear words of excitement. But this series, and particularly this era of Zelda means quite a lot to a lot of people, I think. And there's a lot of reasons for that, which we'll explore. But I suppose, firstly, we should discuss the story slightly. And it's a Zelda game. The story isn't particularly complex. Do you want to have a go at um, explaining the story briefly? Yeah. So uh, you wake up, you are Link, and you're in the fairy village. Little boy and Link. Yep, and yeah, so you're Link as a child, and you are the only person within the village that does not have a fairy, but the game starts and you see this fairy um, flying towards Link's house, and Link finally gets a fairy, and you have to get your sword and shield, and you enter the Great Deku Tree, and then you get a load of exposition, exposition dump about how something about the, the, the great fairies who... Um, who built the world and about an evil force and link leaves the forest uh he meets zelda she says something about ganondorf being an evil man uh <laughs> you, you pick up three treasures as a child and then uh you take them to the temple of time and then you get imprisoned in the temple of time for seven years and ganondorf takes over hyrule and everything's well some things have changed within that seven year time period then you have to collect five more well six medallions but you only have to collect five of them and then you eventually defeat Ganondorf and save Hyrule um it really I mean there, there's some, there's some backstory there there's some there's some stuff about the great fairies that always loses my interest I couldn't a lot of care less about them yeah and I, I I always completely switch off with that stuff because it just does not interest me at all. Um, but it's, I suppose it's more about the storytelling that's done whilst playing the game than the actual backstory. Um, did I miss anything there, Major? I don't, I don't think so, really. Um, the, the reason for Link going on his quest to begin with is um, Na'vi, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit of detail shortly, who always has a lot to say, tells Link that the great Deku Tree has summoned him. And yeah. upon this, you find out that there's a, a parasite, I suppose, inside the Deku Tree, which is making him quite sick. And once defeating the parasite inside the Deku Tree as a child, you're given the first little token and told to go and find Princess Zelda. And like you say, that's when she gives you all the information about Ganondorf being evil and that you've got to save Hyrule, get the three, uh, two other keys, so to make three, um, to kind of help the situation. But then, you know, Ganondorf makes his move, Zelda runs away with Im Impa? Yeah, Impa. Impa, yeah. And, yeah, you go into the Temple of Time, 
take the Master Sword and get transported seven years into the future where everything is bleak. Like we say, it's a pretty simple story. It's standard Zelda at this point. Yeah. I think the stories usually take a pretty similar approach in you know the way that they unfold and what like, the story they're telling i think the main one that would you know stand aside from Two. that is majora's mask and maybe breath of the wild no not not breath of the wild breath of the wild sticks fairly closely to that but it does many other, other things to to shake up the formula but the other one that i'd say um completely smashes the formula is majora's mask obviously and link's awakening um neither oh, okay. of which actually feature zelda or are set in Hyrule, so, um, and they happen to be two of the better ones. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to getting to Majora's Mask when we get there, and I know that you are as well because it's um, there's going to be a lot to talk about with that game with subtext and conspiracies and everything. Oh, it's great, yeah. This it's a weird game, but yeah, that's the basic story. And I mean, this game isn't classed as the best game ever for its story. I mean, it's endearing, no. and I think. It, it's not. It doesn't kind of. It's not encapturing, but it's no, a solid it's story. Definitely isn't not. It? Yeah, I mean, it's it's typical of that time heroic good versus evil video yeah. game story, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think where this game sets itself apart is with everything else. With this game coming out in '98, what was the Zelda game that came out just before it? Do you know? Well, I mean, direct. Well, not directly before. Well, it's it's. So in '93 you had Link's Awakening, right. that was on the Game Boy. So that was that was already a five year difference. In '91 you had Link to the Link, Past. Yeah, Link to the Past, which we. So you it. go from Link to the Past to Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening, actually, I'd say in many ways refined um, Link to the Past formula, but at the same time, um, it didn't. It wasn't obviously the Game Boy wasn't as powerful as the Super no. Nintendo. It didn't have as many buttons, so there were some simplifications in there as well. Um, but I think it's arguable which is better out of those two. I know I'm sure many people would say the links to the past is better, um, but you go from those kind of two D top down Zelda games to this this full blown, basically for the time open world, which is something that I want to come back to later. Um, so yeah, that was that was the direct prequel well not, not prequel because again the timeline for zelda is a bit messed up but the direct release before we we've discussed this a few times on the podcast we're trying to set our minds back to when this game came out and you sent me an article earlier to read which i've, I've read um i read just before we started and it says something at the beginning that basically says that 1998 was probably one of the best years ever for gaming which yeah. When I think about it, I probably agree with. And if I cast my mind back a long time to... It was the first couple of episodes. It might have even been episode one where we discussed GTA 4. I was discussing um, a book that I'd listened to because I don't read books. I listen to them audio book-wise because <laughs> um, I can't read. Um, and the book is called Hey Listen, which is obviously... Um, a little nod to Ocarina of Time. And yeah. in that book, I can't remember the author's name. It'll come back to me. Um, but he says that every person thinks that their childhood was when the golden age of gaming was. And even now, you know, we're now at a point in 2020 where games are coming out and they're, you know, photorealistic and you can do pretty much anything you want in them you've got cyberpunk 2077 just around the corner which looks like it's going to be insane but i wouldn't say that this is the golden age of gaming i genuinely think and taking my own opinion out of it of kind of living through that time i think that the late 90s were probably that that time were the golden age of gaming and as soon as i think of 1998 you think of ocarina of time but another huge series that got its mainstream popularity started in that year was Metal Gear Solid and I think the late 90s were probably some of the best years to be a gamer because of how supercharged everything was because things were changing so much you go from Link's Awakening a few years prior on the Game Boy to Ocarina of Time which is this whole 3D world 
and yeah. there are so many different elements in it it must have been mind-blowing and yeah you and me weren't old enough to really appreciate that at the time no and, and i think that but yeah you know we, we, we can't really think oh yeah i remember then we we're too young but it must have boggled the mind yeah and and just to give an idea of some of the things that were really popularized by this game you never want to say with anything that it was the first one to do no. it because there's, there's always, always something, something really minor that might have done it before but it did these things and it did them right and it, it kind of married them into this um really wholesome package and that was um things like you got a day night cycle um i can't think of a game before this that had a day night cycle um so you can see the sun rising and moving across the sky and it obviously sunsets and nighttime um, that actually changes the world as well. So you go into Hyrule Castle Marketplace in the day, it's a bustling marketplace. You go in at night, there's dogs running around everywhere and there's hardly anyone around. Um, and then there's the, the, I think there's, um, I might be wrong, but there's, there's, there might be dynamic weather as well. I know that at certain points in the game it rains. Uh, later on in Kakariko Village it definitely rains. Um, but things like that. And then you've got this kind of... Um, I I mean, I know, I know people say that Z-targeting was a massive thing. But I kind of like clocked today why it's a massive thing. Um, and that's because you think of something like Super Mario 64. The... The combat, if you can call it combat, in that game is not great. It did my head in when we played it. Yeah, the perspective is all wrong and it's really hard to, to line up your punches or your kicks or your jumps. But Ocarina of Time, it introduced said targeting. And the article that I sent you uh, kind of gives a, a backstory to that, which was that the, um, a couple of the creative or a couple of the developers were at a Japanese, um, it, was, it, was, it was a stage show. Um, with ninjas and they said how uh, the main ninja is circled by ninjas but none of them they, they don't all attack at once it's one at a time and then they said um, that that someone would use uh, what did they say they said a, a ball and chain or something and they'd wrap it around uh, the ninja's arm and then the ninja would react to it and it gave them this idea of targeting and what you could do with a lock-on for enemies uh, and then obviously in the game if you lock onto an enemy you can perform rolls you can perform sidesteps you can perform leap jumps and backflips and this again if if there was targeting in games before this I don't really recall it and I'm sure there was um, but this was the game that popularized it so targeting in games stems back to this game now there's there's a nice quote in that from dan hauser that article which said anyone who makes 3d games who says they've not borrowed something from mario or zelda is lying and for dan hauser obviously created all the gta games the red dead redemption games to say that that's obviously a huge thing um so it just put it into perspective how big a thing something like Z targeting was and just the fact that I can't recall a game before this where you had the, the world laid out like this you had this field this central field you've got places off the central field that you can go to it felt like a world um, there was a lot of level based things there's a lot of things that were joined by cutscenes but you couldn't go back to previous areas um, I can't think of a place where it's, the, it's that first idea of you see that mountain over there, you can climb that mountain. Obviously, it's not as fully formed as it's become. No. And the open world in Zelda is nowhere near what we see nowadays. But it's the first example that I can really think of. Um, obviously, you've got things like the original GTA games, but they're from a top down perspective. So they're a bit different. But this was from the perspective of Link, and then you've got this world sprawling around you. Um, you've got Death Mountain in the distance. You can go to Death Mountain. You can go to the castle. Um, you can go to Lon Lon Ranch in the middle of the field. You've got Lake Hylia over to the left. Yeah, it's just so expansive, and I just can't think of anything. Uh, I know that things afterwards borrowed from it, which is kind of the point of a lot of what we're saying in this episode. So you had things like Soul Reaver that um, borrowed some of the ideas. Um, and you had people that 
really refined these things for their games to to certain levels of of success and i suppose it's hard being that original game because if everyone is refining your formula obviously people are going to get it right and it's the first step in that um so it's a really interesting game because of that I'm still sat here trying to kind of imagine what it would have been like to put on for the first time in 1998 on your on your N64 because it must have been mind-boggling and I think because we both read the same article and that goes into a bit of detail with the Z targeting and I remember when I first played this game I didn't really like the targeting but that's because I think I've always found the N64 controller to be a little bit awkward but Going back to it now and playing it on the 3DS, I couldn't have played this game without targeting. But I think that's oh, yeah. because every game that we play nowadays that isn't you know a bit older has some form of targeting if you need to aim at you know a character or something. And you look at GoldenEye 64, which obviously is heavily based on aiming a gun at people and shooting them. Even that didn't have just a lock-on thing. It had a, like an auto-target thing, yeah, which an auto could aim. be a bit finicky. Yeah. But... You, you can't really state this game what it brought to the table and like you say what a lot of other companies and what a lot of games took th- from um, Ocarina of Time and it will be interesting when we get to Majora's Mask because Majora's Mask came out is it two years after this one? 2000, 2000? yeah, yeah. So, I think I said 1999 on this podcast before but that was wrong so Majora's Mask came out in the year 2000, two years after this game, and it's a direct sequel to Ocarina of Time. And I think it will be interesting going to that game after we've played this one. You know, I imagine we'll play it within the next kind of 20 games or something, I don't know. But yeah, with a relatively think, fresh perspective on Ocarina of Time to see what it improves on. And obviously we're doing that throughout the entire Zelda series that is on this list. But playing a game that changed so much within the game industry to then play its direct sequel that came out a couple of years later i think that's going to be quite a telling experience to go and play that game again and i know that one will be a little bit different for you anyway because you've got a lot of thoughts and a lot of history with majora's mask but from having the fresh perspective of playing this one to then going to that one within the next few months or or whenever it is i think should be quite an interesting experience for us yeah i think majora's mask is going to be fascinating because majora's mask is not your typical sequel so although the basics were laid down with ocarina of time it kind of um, rewrote the book a bit so i'm i'm just really interested i'm really the thing i love about majora's mask is the design of majora's mask and there's some really great design in ocarina of time as well um a couple of things that I said to you were, I, w- I was surprised. One of the things that I found out playing through this time was that the dungeons as an adult that you can visit, you can actually visit them in a different order. I always thought there was a set order and that you were being signposted to certain dungeons in order. Because Navi will but, tell you what to do, won't she? Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that, that's that's a criticism. And there, there are definitely criticisms to be levelled at this game. Um but you can do the water temple, the fire temple in whatever order you want. You can do the shadow temple, the spirit temple in whatever order you want. So I just think, I mean, a lot of the earlier Zelda games were built in such, or no, a lot of Zelda games full stop were built in such a way that you had to get the weapon from the dungeon in order to progress to the next dungeon. But it doesn't do that in Ocarina of Time always. It does sometimes, but not always. Um, And, that kind of is a very freeform design approach. And that's what we saw Breath of the Wild get really celebrated for in 2017, for not limiting you to this linear order. You can just do things. I mean, obviously yeah, Breath of the Wild to took Ganondorf, it to an extreme. Yeah, it, it, it just ran with the idea of you can literally do it however you want to do it. If you don't want to see the story at all, you don't have to. You can just go straight to Ganon, yeah. You're going to have a hard time, um, but you can do it. Yeah, exactly. That they, they they ramp up the challenge to, but people have done it. People have gone straight to Ganon and uh, and beaten Ganon as 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 always it was going to happen. Um, so I I find the design is just and 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 the design of the 
the dungeons, I mean, you've got you've got the shifting dungeon in Forest Temple, you've got the dungeon in Spirit Temple, which incorporates being child link and adult link, and also incorporates being outside for some of it. Um, you can go outside for parts of that dungeon. There's just some really clever ideas in there. Um, there's some things that I think they could have taken further. And, I mean, Hyrule Field, I said to you, one thing that I, I suppose was just not remembering properly was just how empty Hyrule Field feels. Yeah. It's big and it's empty. But the developers knew that. That's why you can get a pona when you're an adult. Because once you've got an opponent, it's so much easier to get across that field. Uh, it's like they were aware of their own uh, shortcomings. Yeah. yeah, and they were trying to think ahead. And that was the first time that, as far as I know, that a horse has been in the Zelda series. But they, they kind of introduced this huge thing that became history, that became law for the Zelda series. Um, but it was obviously just a thought, oh, how, do we, how do we make getting across this field a bit less annoying? Um, and that it seems like they were always asking those questions. How do we make it more fun for the player? Um, yeah, so I, I just I was just really impressed with a lot of the design aspects. But yeah, it'd be interesting. <laughs> that was a massive tangent to go off on. <laughs> no, it's it, it's all relative though, isn't it? And I think with a game like this, so much has been said about it by other um, other reviewers, other players, other whatever you want to call yourselves everyone said everything about ocarina of time so it's very hard for us to think we are bringing anything new to the table because exactly. of its standing and because of how long it's been out i think everyone's got an opinion on ocarina and everyone's probably broadcast it so it's very difficult for us to come in with a fresh perspective on this game but our fresh perspective is that for me this is the first time properly playing through it and for both of us it's the first time completing it and I think that brings us nicely after speaking about kind of the technical elements and what it brought to the table to our section of gameplay is king. So this section always consists of two questions. The first being, do you think this game is fun to play? Yeah, I think generally it's fun to play. Um, my preferred way of playing it was putting a TV show on in the background and playing it whilst whilst watching the TV show, and I just do a dungeon a night that way, and I just found it really quite. It sounds bad, but mindlessly enjoyable. Um, but it is it's good to play, and and I especially like the dungeons. They were my favourite bits. Um, there's parts in between where it, it I think drags a little bit. Sometimes when you're crossing the field a bunch of times, um, when you haven't got a pona. It can feel a bit draggy. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, I think it's fun to play. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. This is this is a game that when I was younger, when I did get a chance to play it, I could just mess about on. I didn't feel the need to go and do dungeons because back then, and to be fair, arguably still now, I wasn't a particularly skilled gamer. So the idea of going into dungeons when I was, you know, late tens, early teens... It just wasn't something I was interested in with games like this because I just didn't find them stimulating for me, I suppose. So yeah. I could just play this game and not achieve anything. And, I mean, it goes a little bit deeper than that. I'm, I'm an only child, and I found a lot growing up that I'd just make my own stories up, whether that's playing with toys or playing in games. I'd just come up with my own stories for stuff and just go with it. And I think... With Ocarina of Time, it, it gives you, if you're of that mindset and if that's something that you do want to do, you can. You don't have to go and do yeah. stuff. You can just kind of exist and have yeah. fun. And obviously, you're not experiencing the whole thing as it's supposed to be experienced in that aspect. But if you're having a good time with it, it doesn't really matter, does it? And I think playing this game again, it brings back a lot of my childhood because of how good I thought this game was back in the day. And it somewhat makes me a little bit sad to know that I've finally completed this game now. Because that's like a chapter closed, if you know what I mean. And yeah. anyone that hasn't played it, of which there's probably one person in the world, because <laughs> everyone's played Ocarina of Time, 
it's it's something that I would recommend, even if you're not a fan of the Zelda series, because you you can just kind of lose yourself in the world of it. And there's so much crazy stuff in there. You've got a talking owl who <sighs> will just Gabora Kapora. Yeah, will just talk at you. Uh, you know, you've got yeah. you've got Navi who every three seconds will tell you to listen, and then when you do listen, she just tells you to go to the Some place that you're already useless. on the way to. Yeah. Um, and there are just so many quirks and and strange things in this game that. <laughs> It's just hard not to like. It's very... I don't think endearing is the word. I, I suppose I'd have to use I the word... I think endearing like, is... I, I, I don't know. Endearing is kind of the word, but there's something quite cute about Ocarina of Time. <laughs> do, do you know yeah. what I mean? It's very much like... Yeah, oh, fully. Look, look at you. It's great. It's it's just very, it's a very wholesome experience, I think. Wholesome's a good word for it. I think that's one of the strengths that the Zelda series has always had. It's had a, yeah. a very rich side content. I mean, uh, we didn't really dabble in it as much as we could have done with The Link to the Past. I think no. we did to an extent. But by all accounts, there was a ton of stuff that we missed in that. Um, and Ocarina of Time, same as... I think I had um, 17 hearts out of the 20 in the end. And obviously there's there's still a bunch of heart pieces that I missed. Um, I got the Big Goron Sword... Um, which was a long side quest in itself. Yeah, then I there's the Mars side I quest. Be with that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty long that one, and and it's it's. I mean, it's just fetch quest running here, doing this within a time limit, maybe. Um, and I think that's something that you're going to see with the Zelda series. I think we were playing to complete it, and uh, I think we dabbled within it uh, with it a bit here again. Um, but th- the game where it really. Is a, is a huge strength which literally half of the game is Majora's Mask where the side stuff is so so rich I don't think I've played a game which has better side stuff than Majora's Mask ever yeah um, the side stuff is the main game really isn't it with Majora's Mask yeah you've only got four dungeons so the rest of the game is your side stuff and getting to know those characters within the world and and there is something it's like the character designs they are cute they are charming they're so weird like the mask man and uh, the woman who's got her dogs in in Hyrule Marketplace, yep. and everyone is unique. I don't know if you noticed that. Like, yeah, so you don't apart see character from models copied, really, do you? Except for like guards. And no. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Except the guards and and the carpenters, maybe, but they're deliberately supposed to be like that. Um, but y- you you'll see a character, and you might see them when you're a child, and then you will spot them in Kakariko Village when you're an adult, and you'll think, okay, that's that's the person that I saw in Hyrule Marketplace earlier. Um, so they've, they've got their own uh, basic stories and it makes the world really feel like a world. And it does feel like a world. The second question that we pose in our section of gameplay being king is what is your favourite thing to do or what's your favourite move or what's your favourite element of this game? I think the um, the charging strike, you know, when you're locked on and yeah. you press A and you can do the jump strike. I love that. Because it does double the damage of a normal strike. So sometimes I was just uh, locking on and spamming that to just, especially when you're fighting the knuckles in um, yes. the spirit temple, the big, the big um, gut, uh, armored, knuckles, yeah, 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 the big armored ones. That it's great to use on them. Um, yeah, so I, that, that's probably my. I think that's a really satisfying move to do. But I mean, using arrows is fun. There's there's some other nice bits as well. How about you? I'm going to go a little bit different and I won't call it a move, but it is something that you do in the game a lot, which is using the ocarina. And yes, I think it's because you don't really see something like this in games since that you've got, um, I think you've still got the ocarina and Majora's mask, haven't you? And then in wind waker, you've got the, um, what's like it a, wind waker? The wind stick thing. Yeah. That's... It's, it's a weird yeah. little thing, but I mean, my answer kind of links in with the music for this game. And we discussed it before with, you know, Mario games and the other Zelda game is that Nintendo always smash out of the park with sound and visuals. But whenever I think of Zelda, just the series, not even Ocarina of Time, I immediately think of the Ocarina and the music that you can play with the Ocarina and the songs that you can learn to play on the Ocarina. 
And I think that's probably the thing for me that makes this game as memorable as it is. Yeah. And I think without the Ocarina being in there, one, they'd need to change the title because it's called the (laughs) Ocarina of Time. But two, I think this game would lose a lot of its charm. And I'd say for me, that's why I'd say using the Ocarina is my favourite thing to do in this game. Just because it can be used for so many things. You can use it to solve puzzles. You can use it to summon your horse. You can use it to warp places. You can use it to... Um, change the time of change day. Change the time of day, to change the weather. With song, a song of storms, storms, change the weather, yeah. You can use yeah. it to summon a weird scarecrow that you can, yeah. you know, zoom to with your with your hook shots. And I suppose you if you were to say... things like that. I, I, I was going to say, I'd, I suppose if we said, oh, you can't choose Ocarina as your favourite move. I'd say the hook shot, because I like that. I find it quite satisfying to use. Oh, I like the hook shot. That's always fun. Um, the long shot, especially. Yes. It like it, it would have to be the ocarina for me, just because... That's really interesting. It, it, um, it holds so much weight to it, I think. I think the ocarina is something that I take for granted a bit, but yeah, I think you're right. It, it, it was something that was, that was special. And I think something like the guitar in The Last of Us Part 2, I mean, obviously it's a far more fleshed out yeah, complicated version but yeah it's, it's it's the idea of playing something that the, the idea of people putting songs together you can do that in ocarina of time to a limited extent yeah um so i feel like it's all in uh, an evolution that harkens back to ocarina of time some somewhere along the line speaking of the uh, the ocarina one of the questions that i was going to pose to you is what's your favorite um you can't really call it a song can you what's your favorite tune um, to do on the ocarina well my favorite song in the game is different probably to my favorite song on the ocarina All right. i think the song of time is probably the best one on on the ocarina but i do like a lot of the the dungeon tunes as well um there's some really sad ones in there i mean and and sadness is a, is a theme that we're going to revisit again with majora's mask um, but my favourite overall theme in the game, uh, hands down, is uh, Gerudo Valley or Gerudo Valley. Um, yeah. The the guitar, I just, I, I mean, I, I got into the valley and I was just like, I just could listen to this forever. It's got a very it's kind so, of Spanish so good. vibe about it, doesn't it? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, how about you? Um, My favourite... There are two favourite pieces of music in the game, I think, and then there's my favourite ocarina tune. The two favourite pieces of music are, first is the main theme that plays when you turn the game on and you've got the, um, you know, the the clip of Link riding across Hyrule Field on Epona. I think that's just a really relaxing piece of music and it's very just chilled. Uh, they I, knew what they were doing didn't they yeah they, with, with that 100 percent. That they knew that 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 image of him riding across the field to this really relaxing music was the reason why people would love this game yeah definitely it, it starts the game off and on the right stead um the other track that stands out to me is the the lost woods theme which i suppose you could also call uh soraya's theme or as I used to like to call her, Saria, which she used to get irritated about because he said I wasn't saying the name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Zelda names. Who, who knows how to pronounce them? I don't. Um, but yeah, the Lost Woods theme. And my favourite tune to play on the ocarina was the Prelude of Light, which is the, oh, uh, like the that, one yeah. that you do when you want to warp to the Temple of Time. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I just always found it very catchy, which, you know, I think is... Uh, <laughs> is a staple of some good music. But so with sound discussed, we come to the question of the week and I'm going to let you take the question of the week because we discussed it briefly and you came up with yeah. a better question than I did really. So I'm going to let you run with it. As Ocarina of Time was such a big paradigm shift for 3D gaming, it was you know those really initial phases of 3d gaming where things were being established and this was a landmark title for that now we went from 2d to 3d and then we had along the way we had motion controls 
we had the Wii U, whatever that was. <laughs> and we're now in 2020. We've got 3D gaming. We've got new consoles coming out. Where do we go from here? What's the next big leap, do you think? I don't know. And I feel very reluctant to say oh this is as good as games are going to get because i remember playing star wars episode one on the ps1 15 years ago and thinking wow games are never going to look better than this from looking at the cgi movies and obviously games now look like real life if you look at something like battlefield one um and games that come out since then but battlefield one always kind of sticks in my head for looking super realistic and I think there are a few ways that you can look at it. And when you suggested this question earlier, it made me think of a series of YouTube videos I've watched. And I can't remember the the channel name, but it's basically a guy that does tests on his girlfriend who isn't a gamer to try and get her perspective on things in 2020. So someone that's never played video games before playing new modern releases and he made the comment that out of all of the games that she played breath of the wild being one there are a few other big ones in there as well portal that her main issue was with the camera and moving the camera around and to, to to get like a good frame on what she was doing or where she was looking she just couldn't quite get her head around using both analog sticks at the same time and for us that's second nature but yeah. when she was playing vr it was completely different. She was smashing it. Like, she was really good. And obviously VR is something... I, I won't say it, it came and it went because we're still very much in the era of VR. But I really don't want games to go down kind of the gimmicky route. I, I, I see VR as a bit of a gimmick. And it's, it's a very cool gimmick. And I've played a lot of VR games and they're amazing. But it isn't something that I'd ever want to continue to do really i suppose if you kind of pushed for an answer on the question that you just asked i'd say the next generation of gaming would be maybe putting yourself in the game in in some capacity and it's interesting obviously you've got you know mechanics in games going back 15 10 15 years where you could take like upload a picture of your face and stick it onto a character model and it just looked like soup. Be like, oh, cool, I'm in this game now. <laughs> but I think maybe that would be something that gets explored over the next 10, 15 years. But it's not something I'm particularly interested in, I suppose. I'm quite happy with just a controller, good graphics, good story, and good controls, you know? But yeah, I, I think it can vary. What about you? I don't think there's a definitive answer. It's more no. just to have the conversation about it. And, and I, I think... VR is interesting. I think someone like Valve releasing Half-Life Alex, it coming out and getting rave reviews, and I really do want to play that. Um, I think that's one avenue that things will go down. I don't think everything's going to go down that path, but I think that's going to be a, a valid option. Then there's things like um, augmented reality, yeah. which is a combination of of basically what you see which and can things do. within that. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's a new Mario Kart game coming yeah. out this Christmas, which is augmented reality. It's oh, quite expensive. Out. Oh, it's 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 already out. Yeah, so yeah, Mario you Kart can, game. so you can control the basically you set up the track in your living room. I mean, I imagine it's a lot of fun, especially at Christmas. Um, so there's things along that path which could be interesting. I mean, we had 3D. We had um, the 3DS. And the 3D in that is really good. It is. Um, like playing, I started um, playing Ocarina in 3D, but I, I forgot about it after a little while, actually. I turned it off and yeah. never turned it back on. But I was impressed with it. Um, it's just that when you're tired at night, it can really hurt your eyes a bit, <laughs> uh, which isn't the best thing, obviously. Um, all of these things seem to be trying to make you more like into the game like motion controls were actual movements vr is actual movements um ar is 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 kind of a combination of of things um 3d is things coming out at you um i suppose uh one of the things is 
4D. I don't. At Thought Park, they used to have 4D. They had uh, Shrek 4D, and you'd go in there and you'd watch Shrek. And and um, this was when I was a kid. And they had uh, like when there was a water scene, you'd get splashed with water. You could smell the things. That's. I feel like at the moment we rely on two senses. We were well, well, three senses: eyes, ears, and touch. But we've not really tapped into taste and smell. I don't know what that's going to look like. I, it could go completely wrong. But um, it always seems to be that immersion is 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 what we're seeking. Um, but I wonder if there are any other alternatives to immersion. Uh, I'm just trying to think. I mean, I, I don't have an answer, but the thing, the idea that I always go back to is, is Call of Duty. Call of Duty, we played Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2. Now, the fundamentals of that game have not changed in 13 years. No. Uh, it's still basically underneath all the prettier graphics. It's the same game. Um, so what's the next step in something like Call of Duty? How do you make that more... Uh, I don't know. How... And, and, and I pose this question not knowing the answer to it, but I just thought it'd be interesting to think about. And... We don't have the answer, but it's something that we're going to keep thinking about. And if you, the listener, do have any ideas about that, we'd love to hear them. Um, get in touch with the developers as well, see if they <laughs> will develop your game. Um, yeah, yeah. so I don't have an answer, but I just really wanted to get us thinking because it, it kind of really... The other thing that the article that we read about Ocarina of Time said was how that was a really transformative time for gaming and what happened then can't be repeated now no now I, I was just trying to counter that by thinking how could we repeat it now but i don't think we can um which is why the score for ocarina of time is what it is and why it will never be touched again because there are only 22 reviewers these were the first tens that many of these reviewers ever gave to a game. Now, since then, other games have come along and been given tens. Um, there's the argument that reviewers have become more lenient since then. Um, and the thing about this game, I, I, I think, I don't know if you re-listened or re-watched the Matthew Matosis video on Ocarina of no, Time, but he says something which really struck me, which was, if you are considered by Metacritic, by many gamers, by many top 10 lists to be the greatest game of all time. How can you possibly live up to that? Mm. You can't, can you? And, and and I think we've been very positive, but I mean, there are, there are flaws to this game. I, I mean, one of my things is, like I said, when I was playing it, I was, I enjoyed it, but I was kind of um, enjoying it on autopilot because Everyone knows the story of Hyrule, the story of Link and Zelda, um, from the following games to this, and from Link to the Past as well. So there's nothing really surprising in there. Um, so it is really enjoyable. I think the design is kind of unbelievable that it still works in 2020, and it still surprises in 2020. But the, the formula and things like that... It, there was nothing in it that made me say, wow, because I knew it. It was just a very familiar known quantity. And that's probably my biggest negative towards it. But it doesn't even feel like a fair negative to, to level at it because I'm looking at it from 2020 and saying that, of course, it's familiar. But it wasn't familiar back in 1998. Yeah, it, um, it's familiar because it is rated the best game ever. And everyone has yeah. an experience with it. But like you say, if you think back to 98, it was completely different. It was completely new, wasn't it? Yeah. And and that that feels like... And, and obviously the other, the other big criticism that can be levelled at it is the fact that it really kick-started a lot of these things for 3D games. And many games have taken that and run with it. Yeah. So... Do games do it better now? Of course they do. Um, there's no doubt about that. But it doesn't mean that you can't appreciate what it was doing back then. Um, so that's just kind of... Just to, I suppose, to, to show that it's not a perfect experience. No, and definitely not. It, 
to look at it that way, I think, is to look at it wrong. And, yeah, I, I, I think... I mean, I, I, I know... Um, when when it comes down to our uh, recommendation at the end, where I'm going to fall, but um, I've got an, an interesting way of framing it. That's fair enough. I mean, I was going to ask why you think this game is so special and why you think it's so heralded, but I think that we've answered that question whilst discussing it because of everything that we've spoken about, because of everything that it represents, because of everything that it was, everything that it is, and as cliche as it sounds, everything that it still can be. We're 30-ish <laughs> and we, we've we kind of grown up with this game. You've got the generation before us that are gamers that grew up and appreciated this game for what it was at the time. But I still think that Ocarina of Time has its place and this list, this top 100 list isn't going anywhere. And I think that there'll be, you know, people that are a bit younger than us that will get curious about the top 100 games of all time and think to themselves, oh, Zelda, I've heard of that series. Ocarina of Time, number one. I've never played that. I'll give it a go. And even though the generation that's come after us, the I think they're called Gen Z, are very much more used to games such as Call of Duty. They're used to you know, brand spanking new shiny AAA games. And that isn't to say that people in that age bracket don't enjoy indie games or don't enjoy older games. On the mass, I think that a lot of them could play Ocarina of Time as long as they're not the kind of people that just enjoy, you know, games that yeah. aren't like Zelda. But I think a lot of them could go back to this game and enjoy it and realise why it's the number one rated game of all time. And that's kind of what I mean by everything that it's got to give, because this is a game that's going to exist for, you know, for, for a very, very long time. And I think that it's a perfect time capsule for the time that it was released. Yeah. And for it's a good barometer of games of that time of it's it sounds stupid, but of a much simpler time. And maybe I'm just saying that because of nostalgic glasses and I remember the late 90s when I was a kid and how great it was. But this game, I think this game is special. And I think you know when you spot something that's a little bit out of the ordinary and a little bit special. And I think this game definitely ticks that box, you know? Yeah. I mean, we we discussed Mario 64 recently. Yeah. And that game comes with a huge caveat, and that caveat is the camera being so janky at times that it's, in certain moments, it makes you want to throw your Stop controller against the wall. and voice message your friend on WhatsApp saying, I hate this game, seven times. Yeah, and I, and I fully understand <laughs> it, because there, there were moments where I felt similarly to that, yeah. and I was familiar with the game. Um, but I feel like the caveats for Zelda are very different. Um I, it's a much easier recommend for me than the Mario 64. But I think if you're interested in the fantasy stylings, that idea of an adventure, then you can get into this. Um, just just bear in mind that just because it is at the top of the Metacritic list and it is hailed by so many as the best game ever, it doesn't mean it's going to be your best game ever. And that's okay. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. I think what Ocarina of Time did and what the Zelda series does and what many other games do really well, and this kind of comes back to our idea of paradigm shifting, is it feeds your imagination. So you're presented this virtual world. You can see the scenes of it. You can see that the geometry is not quite circular. Um, you can see that sometimes the animations aren't perfect, so on, so on, so on. But what your imagination does is it starts to fill in the gaps and you're feeding your imagination all this information and part of the story is what your brain's doing, what your imagination is doing while you're playing. Which is exactly part of the what story I did is when what... I played it when I was a kid. Exactly. And this is why when we play games as kids, it can be such a powerful thing. And I think this 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 is part of the nostalgia conversation that we've been having over the past 25 episodes. And... 
I, I, I remember when I played Breath of the Wild, when I switched it off, all I thought about was Breath of the Wild because it tapped into my imagination so much that I was just thinking about it constantly. You play a good horror game, it taps into your imagination. So maybe the answer is to the paradigm shifting question, not about the next technological leap. Maybe it's about, I mean, we can keep pushing graphics, things like that. I mean, everyone loves that. That's fine. But maybe it's about with gameplay. It's not about being able to do everything, not being the jack of all trades, but really pairing things back and refining a few things um, to get them right. Because there are certain things that games have never got right. Um, so maybe it's a time to push forward with those things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just the imagination side, which I think is really, really powerful. But yeah, it's 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 quite an easy recommend if you're into this style of games. We we've both kind of answered it already, but the, the the last question that we always pose is well that we've only just started to pose, seeing as we've had to because we used to meander so much <laughs> at the end of episodes. But did did the critics get it right? And I know that this is looking back because um, I think the the Metacritic aggregate score got put together in the year two thousand, didn't it? Two years after this game came out. Because 2001 I think 2001, is, the, is so when it was first even looking yeah. back um, you know the, the, the people that came up with these 21, 22 scores um, were looking back on something that was a few years old but do you think that they got it right and that a score across the board of 99 is correct for it I mean I think they got it right it, it, it 100% deserves to be in that top 100 list I think the question for Ocarina of Time, and this is what I wanted to um, put my take on. Is it the best game of all time in 2020? I would say no. But is it the most important game of all time? And now I think you can put forward a very, very strong argument that yes, it quite possibly is the most important game of all time. Um, so I think the critics got it right. Yeah. And I think it could be the most important game of all time. Mm. How about you? Well, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot as well. And I think what you've just said is an important way to look at it because having the number one game of all time is always going to be subjective because everyone has their own opinions if it were up to me final fantasy 7 would be the best game of all time if it were up to you um something else would be or another game in the zelda series would be the best game of all time and the more i've thought about it i think the critics got it right in their review of it and their praise of it and a majority of the stuff that they said about it but i don't want to answer the question of is this the best game of all time until we've played the next 75 games so <laughs> uh, and you, you know I, i'm playing a long game here listener you've, you've got to stick with us now <laughs> but i think I, I i don't feel comfortable saying if this game's the top game of all time maybe just from this list until i've played every game on here and there are games that we're looking forward to and there are games that we're not looking forward to and i think for me to say this early on, yeah, best game ever, I agree with them, it would be a little bit premature. But So we both agree that it should be on the list then? We both agree that it should be on the list, and I think we both agree that it should be high up on the list. Whether or not it yeah. should be at the top spot remains to be explored, but we'll do that in due course. But I do agree with you that I think this is probably yeah. the most important game of all time, and I'm really glad that we've had the opportunity to go back and play it and that I've had the opportunity to play through it all the way and complete it uh, for the first time. Because like I said, it feels like I've closed a chapter on a part of my life from years ago. And, you know, it, it's... I, I can see why this game is so important. I absolutely can. Yeah. I like things that get me thinking. And I think last two episodes, we've talked about Resident Evil 4 and Ocarina of Time and both times... I think we've both raised things that the other person perhaps wasn't thinking about and it's got me thinking and that's the point of this, isn't it? I mean, we don't have all the answers, but we're thinking and, and anything that gets you thinking 
it's just I think that's food again, food for thought, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know don't know what I'm saying there, but there you go. Pretty much. Um so yeah, that kind of wraps up our Ocarina of Time episode. It, it's kind of gone in a different way than I expected it to, but I don't know what I expected from this episode because of what it is. But yeah, now usually we would say at this stage the game that we're going to cover next time and you and me have discussed this and i've said what i want to do however i've changed my mind because i'm contrary and (laughs) i want to i'm going to give you two options and you can choose here now while we record and i think that you've got me or the listener you you as dan not as you as listener unfortunately listener we can't hear you so you've got an option of the next game to cover because we've just done quite a few big games we've done ocarina of time resident evil 4 half-life super mario 64 these are big games and i want to do something that's maybe a little bit more scaled back but also has a right to be on this list so i'll give you the choice of either undertale or minecraft um choose your character i mean i think my gut says undertale um don't know how you feel about that yeah good Um, i'm I'm happy with either of those games I think it's just something that we can... I think it's going to be enjoyable, but we can also play it on Switch. Yeah, so I've never played it, it in handheld, so I don't which... know anything about it. I just know that it's apparently very I good. I don't really. I've just heard it's got a great soundtrack. Oh, there we go then. So that's sorted. <laughs> Our next episode cool. will be on Undertale. So yeah, nice. as usual, if you want to reach out to us, um, it's always appreciated. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Email us at the long and short of it podcast at hotmail.com. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or any other podcast platform, which I'm assuming you're doing because you're listening to us, please consider following, subscribing, sharing with a friend, or if you are so inclined to leave us a review, that would be greatly appreciated because it helps other people find us on these platforms. As always, you can find us on YouTube as well, on Dan's YouTube channel, The Subtext, where you can find not only the Long and Short of It podcast, but also a myriad of other games that he covers and goes into detail of. And yeah, I suppose it's, yeah, I don't really know. Anything to say on 24, any 24, 25 episodes? Like I said, I think um, we're getting obviously more support now, which is really nice. And I think we're really getting into our stride with it. Yeah. And we're kind of learning the ropes of how to pace a gaming podcast um, obviously, because the thing that goes on behind the scenes is playing the games and <laughs> with the other things that are going on in our lives, it's not it, it's not always easy. So we have to we have to be careful with our timings. And there's certain massive games that we're, we're going to be coming up against soon. So uh, it's all a learning curve and I'm still really enjoying it. So I think, yeah, just just stick with us and and um, hopefully you're enjoying it, too. Absolutely. So that is game 25 done we're you know a quarter of a way through the list and here is to the next 75 i'm raising a proverbial glass <laughs> even though i don't so have the next one. three years yeah to the next three years of our lives so yeah thank you for joining us for the last 25 games we hope that you enjoy the next 25 50 75 and beyond that we do and as always thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next episode cheerio See you on the next one.